The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. With available H-Track all-wheel drive so you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. What is up? Welcome into the Early Edge College Football Preview Show, Week 12 edition. I am your host, Alan Bell. We've got a great show lined up for you today. So you know what? Let's not waste any time. Let's get right to it. Bring in the stars of the show and look at them. Look at the boys looking great. And I'll tell you what, we'll go ahead and bring up how we did last week. Another week, guys. Look, uh, we are sitting 58.1% against the spread this season. You guys continue to be above that 500 number, seven and six last week. Well done. I, I mean, seriously. Just another strong week, man. You guys are crushing it. Michael Roberts, how we doing, buddy? We're doing excellent, man. Ready to go. Ready to hear what the guys have to say and bet accordingly. I love it, man. Chip, how we doing? We're good. We're good. I like to see the uh, – because as I told you last time, I'm a uh, – I'm, I'm going to move on to the next week, you know, flush it and forget it. Keep it moving. I get it from golf, right? You got to have a short memory. <laughs> so I always forget what my official plays were here uh, on Wednesday. And so to see that we're, again, continuing to bring up uh, the average, I love to see. It. You know, you and uh, the maestro, Larry Hartstein, you guys are exactly right in the sense of you place your bets, you hit your bets, you move on. You don't even think about it the next day. Just snap and clear, man. Like, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Tom, how we doing, buddy? Uh, I'm good. It's a good thing that we have been winning lately because I had to spend a whole bunch of those winnings today when I had a guy here working on the house, as we talked about before the show started. (laughs) So good to know all that gambling money's going to good use. Absolutely. You know, and there's no better motivation for going into another week where you're saying, you know what, I got to make some money back because I spent a lot last week. So, hey, there you go. I'm all for it. All right. We'll jump into storylines that could affect the betting lines in week 12. And Chip, I'll tell you what, I'm just going to get right out of your way. Start with you. What you got? I'm looking at teams uh, and the postseason, that bowl eligibility. Uh, This is purely anecdotal. There's no science behind it. But I think that sometimes for teams, especially the ones that aren't competing for national championship, the sixth win can be the toughest because you've gotten to that point where you're right on the cusp of that goal that you and all your teammates and your coaches set way back at the beginning of fall camp. You know, we are going to be making a bowl game this year. And you're there at five wins. You just need one more. I mean, Talk to Oregon State, which had not been bowling under Jonathan Smith. Lost bad losses to Cal and Colorado, trying to get that sixth win, trying to get that sixth win. They finally punched it through just last week. So I'm looking at, uh, how about a Miami team? Five and five. Virginia Tech, five and five. Both right on the edge of that sixth win. How about South Carolina has an Auburn team that just lost Bo Nix coming to town you got five wins. Just need one more to get to that postseason. Uh, and then also Florida, another five-win team. And if you want to look at some real backs against the wall, Florida State is four and six going to Boston College, and Texas and West Virginia both four and six. It's the reverse of being bowl eligible. The loser of Texas West Virginia is bowl ineligible. Real Thunderdome moment that we got uh, going on right there. <laughs> that is a Thunderdome moment. You know, and that's a good point, man. I've never really thought about that in terms of that five to the sixth win, right? Because, you know, right uh, about this time of year, we, we do think about, you know, teams that have seven, eight wins. Like, what bowl are they looking at? We're looking at teams that are looking to clinch, you know, births to a college uh, you know, a conference championship game, right? I've never thought about that fifth one. Yeah, that, that's a good point, man. And that's- like on the other side too, you know, like you've got some teams that don't want to be on that five to six win jump. Like Florida did not want to be sweating this here at the end of the season with Missouri and Florida State and looking at both those as, I mean, a losable game based on what we saw against Samford. So, <laughs> uh, you know, very interesting to try and judge the motivations there because bowl season is psychology season, baby. <laughs> it is. It is. And Tom, come to you. Uh, you know, your storyline this week is is somewhat similar. Uh, we've got rivalry week coming up. Talk to us about that. Yeah, like <clears throat> there are obviously there are big games this week and we'll be talking about them later in the show. But for a lot of the teams involved in some of these big games, there are bigger 
games looming next week, whether that's Ohio State, Michigan, or the Iron Bowl, any of those big, massive rivalries that all these teams look forward to on an annual basis that, you know, they circle on the calendar the moment the schedule comes out and then get ready for. We see it a lot where teams kind of get caught looking ahead or maybe they they look past their opponent this week and spent a little more time in practice prepping for Michigan or Ohio State or Alabama or Auburn or Iowa or Nebraska, whoever it is that you're looking toward beating. And it has impacted, and again, I will talk about this later on the show with one game in particular, the performances of these teams in these games. I like it, you know, and Micah, I come to you, you know, what is your knowledge base here in terms of, you know, how books look at the end of seasons of college football? Like, how are you looking at it? What are your thoughts on what those two guys had just laid out? Kind of where's your head at, you know, now that we start to get towards the end of the, at least the regular season of uh, college football? Yeah, <clears throat> I know as, as Chip was talking, I was thinking, uh, I kind of went off into another uh, galaxy thinking about UNLV and how they're approaching it. It's like they got two wins. They just won the last two. They can get this third win, right? They're riding high. They're rolling high. They're doing all the things that they didn't do early in the season, and the kids are finally having some fun. Chuck Wagon's got 1,100 yards rushing, and everything is going well for them. How can they beat San Diego State? And I've been going over this. I'm not betting it, but as a fan – um, I really would love to see UNLV do something. And I'm thinking maybe the total at 40 is still too high. Maybe this is a spot where the, the momentum from a team, San Diego State gets in trouble all the time because they can't blow anybody out. But maybe this Rebel team can hang with them. Maybe they can eke out a 13-10 or 16-13 win, something like that. So I was looking at the total as an angle. I ran out of time, but I'll go back over it and look at it some. I... I think the style of the Aztecs, the Rebels can hang with them, as crazy as that sounds. And there's really the spread, uh, what's their differential? 13, 14 points in the rating. As great as San Diego State has played all year, as poorly as UNLV has played, now we have uh, the gap closing a little, uh, the, the disparity in rating. Yeah, I like it, you know, and that's you bring up another good point, too, uh, this week and next week as well. Like there are trap games out there, right? Because you've got teams that, you know, are, are close geographically. This is their Super Bowl. This is yeah, their exactly. big game of the year. Yeah, and guys that played against each other in high school, teams that, you know, are sitting pretty and teams that are not sitting pretty, and they would love nothing more than to punch that other team in the mouth, you know, and, and not necessarily ruin their season. But, yeah, sure. leave them Leave with a little blemish. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a good point by you. Excellent point. All right. Let's jump into our official plays here. All right, Chip, I'm going to start with you. All right. You've got the Texas Longhorns plus two and a half yeah. at West Virginia. Talk to us, my man. Well, it just feels like a buy low moment. I mean, I, I don't, there's not a whole lot of X's and O's. There's not like a really deep analysis. I'm, I've got the Longhorns, uh, a team that even with all of the exodus that we have with talent not playing, still the more talented roster and West Virginia has shown enough variance and erratic, you know, in terms of how, what are its performances at on a week to week basis, even no B. John Robinson. Like I just, I think this is a buy low moment for Texas. You're getting Texas plus points against West Virginia blind fire. Blind fire. That needs to be that a is, t-shirt right there. <laughs> Go ahead. Terrifying though. Like I'm with you. Like just as far as like strict numbers and matchup base, it's like, oh God, yeah. Give me, give me Texas and the points. It's just, I am so terrified of touching the Longhorns right now. A hundred percent. Five straight law. I mean, uh, you are jumping in at again, a perceived, and it could be the wrong perception by me is a perceived by low moment. We won't get Texas rated this low again. Yeah, no, that's a good point. You're exactly right. Uh, all right, Tom, coming to you, buddy. Virginia Tech, Miami, under 55 and a half, man. Break that one down. Uh, yeah, I, I like Miami on the spread here a little bit, but I think the under is a smarter play. I really wish it was at 56 instead of 55 and a half, but I still think 55 and a half is a solid place to get it. Uh, this is a situation where I think offensively Miami has taken a step forward in recent weeks with Van Dyke at QB, and Virginia Tech has gone the complete opposite direction. They've been terrible on offense they just fired their head coach maybe we get one of those kind of you know dead cat bounce things that we see sometimes with coaches teams when they fire their coach but i don't feel like fuente's dismissal is going to be the kind where it's like the players are super happy like i don't really think there were problems between the roster and the coach as much as it was just performance based so i, I could see this team being kind of deflated which will hurt them in this game and then also part of this is the weather forecast right now because there's supposed to be a lot of winds 
for this game this weekend as things stand, which, as we know, never really hurts our ability to get an under. So first off, I agree with you. Like, you know, when coaches get let go, like sometimes locker rooms and staffs are happy. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I don't think this is one at all where, where anybody's happy. I, I could see them coming out absolutely flat. And also, I love when Chip uh, sticks up. When you say that, just when you say the word, there's going to be wins, right? Like just when he just pokes up. Yeah. This is my first, this, this is the first time every week. I mean, there are some viewers that also, you know, tune into the cover three podcast and we got a lot of crossover audience here, Alan, and I appreciate them uh, sticking with us for, you know, two and a half hours every single week. But this is my first time that I get to hear the wind report. So you, you were seeing my honest, like unfiltered reaction to finding out about the weather for the upcoming Saturday. You know, I do have to say, like, I've been fans of you guys, you know, for a while. And, and I love you guys' show. I do, you're right. Like, there is a lot of crossover in terms of, you know, people that you guys brought over to watch this one, right? And first off, hey, thank you and welcome in, obviously. But two, I love, like, how engaging you guys' show is and, like, all the little, like, quirks and things that you guys have. It's fantastic, man. It, 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 yeah, dude, it makes me smile, man. So everybody, if you're not coming from over there, make sure – Watch their show, download the podcast, however you consume your content. Make sure to do that Cover 3 podcast uh, on CBS Sports. All right, so, Micah, I'm going to come to you. Wisconsin minus 8.5 at home against Nebraska. Break this one down, man. Yeah, first of all, we got uh, 49 degrees. It's supposed to be with 10-mile-an-hour winds, just to throw that weather report in there. Uh, As I was going over this game, I've read a lot from Madison Live, uh, Badger.com, and the – Journal Sentinel. And the propaganda with Graham Mertz is crazy. They're trying, I've been watching this guy all year and they're saying his confidence is boosted like never before. The winning is making him a much better player. And to a degree, it's kind of true, but it was just overwhelming. Like, why are they doing this? And, and then I remember a few weeks ago, Graham, he was talking about he didn't like watching the TV anymore, reading the papers. And so whatever, it was just kind of uh, helped the kid out by all the reporters united. Good for them. But you know what? Wisconsin is one of the best teams in the country right now. Six straight wins, five of them covered. The number one defense in the nation, number one uh, run defense in the nation. And Nebraska comes in. I mean, they've had a heck of a schedule here, but they've lost their last four, only covered one of those against good teams. And they had been one of those teams. They're still uh, three points above where they started as far as a rating to begin the year. But what Wisconsin is doing defensively right now, shutting teams down, I just don't see Nebraska uh, hanging around for very long in this game. So I see uh, Wisconsin winning by double digits, maybe by 20 or so, and maybe a strong look at the under as well. Yeah, the Badgers are back to bum slaying. It's what they do best. Like <laughs> When you look at their struggles early in the year, like they lost to Penn State, they lost to Notre Dame, they lost to Michigan, all three good teams. But then this portion of their schedule where it's Illinois, Army, Purdue, Iowa, Rutgers, Northwestern, winning by 60 every week again, yeah, boys. 60 every week. No, I love it. I also love uh, Micah patrolling the Wisconsin board. So everybody out there, be careful. The sheriff's on there making sure. Yeah. He's calling out the state media right there. They're, they're <laughs> telling me that I'm looking at something that I'm not looking at. Yeah, they're trying they're to make me believe. I hate that. Paul Chris is in the. He's got. A, he's got them all wrapped around his finger. <laughs> it's fantastic. All right, Chip, coming back to you. Uh, so Illinois uh, at Iowa, the under thirty-eight and a half. Sounds good to me. Break it down. <laughs> <laughs> First, all right. So. Um, what do we know, Tom, what has been the one thing that Illinois has done this year besides punting, which has been exquisite, that has been at a high level? Defense. Okay, cool. And where <laughs> does Iowa sometimes struggle? Offense. All right, yeah. There's Who scores? Who scores in this game? It's oh, Iowa the and kickers. Illinois. The kickers I mean, are going to score lots of points in this game. Are they going to score 38 of them? No. I don't know if you can get that many f- possessions to get that many field goals. Uh, yeah, I I feel very comfortable taking this under. Yeah, I was going to say, you really didn't even have to break it down. Like, it just made sense. I love Rob King in the chat here says, under 15. (laughs) (laughs) Rob, I think the entire show agrees. I mean, 13 to 9 with the only touchdown being a pick six or a fumbled touchdown is entirely in the cards. So we're going to go alternate total here. Get like under 24. (laughs) 
You know, my, look, Thomas Richardson, he brings up a great point that I was about to say. Every week, Chip takes the under of the lowest total out there. You do. Like, it, it makes sense. Like, it absolutely it makes sense. It gets there, too. I've been, bet, I've been betting them. They, they get there. I mean, it, it's pretty amazing. I'm like, oh, yeah, he was talking about this. And, and Iowa, anytime you get Iowa involved, Illinois involved, and Rutgers, we'll talk about that soon. Those teams just don't score a lot, but they play decent defense to keep these totals down. You're right. You're absolutely right. All right, Tom, coming over to you, buddy. Uh, Tulsa minus 21 and a half at home against Temple. What are you seeing? Oh, this is, we are, this is another storyline I was considering for the week, but we are fading the teams that have quit and Temple has quit. Like if you've watched them the last few weeks, there has been very little effort in trying to fight back in football <laughs> games. Like they hung, like I, I took Houston last week on the show for the very same reason. And Temple kind of played for a quarter and then Houston took a lead and it was just like, all right, cool. Well, whatever. We, yeah. we tried our darndest. We did our best. Let's just go home. And I look at this as a Tulsa team that while it's struggled at times and it doesn't have a great record, you've seen it play teams like Ohio state, and play well. And I feel like this is a physical, tough team. And for a Temple team that right now just does not seem to have much desire to play football, I think Tulsa is just going to beat them up and cover this one with ease. So give me the hurricane. There we go. No questions from me on that one. Mike, coming to you, you were just talking about it, Rutgers. You've got Rutgers at Penn State, the under 47 here. Yeah, Penn State has stayed under the total in their last four games. Rutgers for their last five. And I think it's all by design. It's defensive. It's uh, running the clock and and just playing great defense. And Greg Schiano, um, he's held his own. I think he's done a pretty good job uh, this season. Defense is very disciplined, and he's getting a lot of unders. And we've seen Penn State all season long. I think their biggest win was 38-17 against Villanova. They don't blow anybody out. Good team, good defense, solid coaching. And they've stayed under eight of their ten games. So, this to me with Rutgers coming in, it just seems like the perfect scenario for a low scoring game. Nice. I want to go to the chat here real quick. I've got a family member that plays for Tulane. They're done. <laughs> there, you <go. laughs> there you go. Good to know. Yeah. Hold yeah. Look, we will take any. Yeah, we will take any. I love it. That reminds me, Micah, when you were talking about the old Vegas, right, of all the yeah. guys running to the phones to make the calls back to the man back in their cities. Like yeah. a little nugget like that right there. Like it goes a long way. Oh, it sure does. It sets everything. And you, then then you see uh, one book move at a, a point or two points and then everybody, what's going on? What's going on? And then it, you just follow. You just follow. You're like, well, I got to be in. A, if something's happening, I'm not going to be here at six when it's eight. I mean, you know, so it, it's. The old days before the internet was not so awesome, but a lot more fun booking. Oh, totally. Yeah. Everybody's running to make that call back to Kansas City. Uh-huh. Absolutely, man. All right, Chip, coming to you. Uh, Virginia plus 14 and a half at Pitt. You like Virginia. I'm interested in your breakdown of this one because I'm interested in this game. And I, it's hard for me to trust Pitt. I think I agree with you. You're the expert, man. Break it down. Yeah. I I think that all of the decision making for, um, Brennan Armstrong, the Virginia quarterback, who is the nation's leader in total offense and did not play uh, in that game against Notre Dame. I think some of it had to do with the fact that Virginia is still alive for the ACC Coastal Division Championship. And Bronco Mendenhall has won that division once uh, already. I mean, this is something that they hold as like a, a standard, something they aspire to. So I think that the decision not to play him in a non-conference game might have been eyeing this absolutely huge game against Pitt, who is currently the division leader, which is why they got to have that head-to-head win against the Panthers. Uh, I do think that Pitt is not trustworthy by a large spread as they are uh, in the driver's seat trying to bring this thing home. But more importantly, I think that Virginia, not that they tanked the game, but I think that from a coaching perspective and from a personnel perspective, there's just going to be everything on the table. And Virginia's a really, really well-coached team. So we, do we still get 14 in a hook? Because that's what I was looking at. And that I really, really like that line as well. If it's at 14, I would still take it. Under two touchdowns, I might get a, a little bit more cautious. But I like the idea for Virginia to be good enough, strong enough, kitchen sink kind of game that you end up uh, making Pitt sweat a little bit. Yeah, it's a good eye. All right, Tom, coming to you. North Texas, 
You like them minus 10 at FIU. Same situation as the last pick. FIU in the last week has fired its athletic director, and then it fired its coach, Butch Davis, who then, (laughs) shortly after being fired, went to the first media member he could find and told him about how FIU and the school were sabotaging the football program, (laughs) which typically does not give you a lot of confidence about (laughs) how that team is going to perform going forward. Like, if the coach is out here saying that the school is sabotaging the program, I can only wonder how the players feel about it. And it's the same situation, too, where if you've seen FIU play at all in the last few weeks, this is a team that kind of knew what was coming for a while, and they've known it. And I don't – now that the coach is gone, I don't know how much accountability you're going to see in that locker room and on the sidelines and on the field for this game. So North Texas is not a great team, but North Texas is a team that's not quite as bad as its record suggests. So, yeah, it's scary to take the mean green on the road as a double-digit favorite, but I'm doing it because if the Panthers score more than 10 points, I will be shocked. Yeah, that that much Davis story is wild. I was reading parts of it and him arguing about a backdrop and which sponsorships are there and one was for his camp. Yeah, that's a wild, wild story. Wild story. I'm with you, though, that that doesn't exactly give you confidence in betting that team. Yeah, I think they just want to end the season and get it on home. Mike, I'm going to come to you here. Um, Well, actually, Mike, I'm going to hold on. You've got three more picks and you guys all have some picks on on our big games. I'm going to hold off on those. So, Mike, I'll come back to you here in just a minute. Chip, throw it to you. UCLA minus three at USC. Um, It's a real good check Saturday for uh, the Chip Kelly UCLA Bruins. I mean, this team has gone on such a ride during the year that we are at the point where losing this game and definitely losing out could cost Chip Kelly his job as he sort of lost a lot of the local audience who were pointing to the money that they've invested in his salary, the money that they have invested in the facilities at his request slash demand and the on-field product that has yet to produce anything of real quality and definitely not of PAC 12 title contention. And so, you know, as a short favorite going up against a zombie USC team, kind of feels like a, a must win for you for Chip Kelly. We'd always looked at this Bruins team, you know, another year with DTR at the quarterback position, Greg Dulcich, a really good tight end option. Like coming into the year, we looked at him as like, hey, that could be a you know a Pac-12 South title contender, maybe a nice little dark horse pick if you want to get that ticket. And it made sense at the time. So uh, just g- big gut check Saturday vibes as UCLA better turn in again, like better turn in one of its better performances of the season in the rivalry game. What an insane year that it's been for Chip Kelly and UCLA, right? Like, it's just been crazy. I mean, they, you know, they take down LSU. Uh, you know, we go back to that game against Hawaii. It looked like UCLA and Chip Kelly, I mean, were just destined like they're going to be the college football playoff. You know what I mean? And, and probably not seriously, but I mean, they, they look good. It's just been a wild year, just a wild year uh, out in Los Angeles. All right, let's get to our big games of the weekend. And we've got a lot of official plays on there, so... Uh, I'm going to, you know, let everyone know when we do have an official play uh, on this game. So we'll start here, Oregon at Utah and Micah, I'll come to you. This is an official play from you. You like the over 59. Yeah. And I looked at the side and I'm looking at the number and it just, I'm trying to figure out, I've got like a four and a half point disparity from Oregon to Utah. And I know the, the altitudes in effect, it's a great home field advantage, but you can't have your full home field advantage to the number when you're not as good as a team that's coming in. So I think right there, uh, just them being favored is, is an error, but I like the over much better. And that's even though we might have 40% chance of rain. And of course you got the altitude 51 degrees, uh, but the over everything points to the over there, just the pace of both teams uh, coming in. And I know Oregon is really good against the run, but what I'm seeing lately out of, uh, Utah, six of their last seven games winning. They have gone over the total in their last six games uh, total. So they've been doing what they want offensively and also allowing some. So everything that I looked at just added up to even with the possibility of rain of this thing getting over. I, I had about an eight, uh, eight point variance in the total. Nice. Tom, you like Oregon plus three here. 
Yeah, emphasis on the like. I don't. There's nothing in this game I love too much, but I just feel like three points is it's a little too much for me for Utah in this game, even at home where Utah's been fantastic this season. They have. I just don't know that they're dynamic enough offensively at the, to this point for me to trust them to cover this spread against a very good Oregon team. And I know it's an Oregon team that we kind of picked apart all season long because it's not really an elite team, but this is still a team that went on the road and beat Ohio State. And it's still a team whose only loss came in a game in which its offensive coordinator was hospitalized shortly before the game. And therefore, he wasn't around to call plays for the game just a few hours later. And it kind of left their offense in a bind. And it's they've really kind of established a ground game in the last few weeks. Die has taken off. I think defensively, they had injury problems earlier in the season. They're getting healthier. Kayvon Thibodeau is still a monster, and that entire defense is improving. I just feel like we're a little... The, the college football world in general has been a little too dismissive of Oregon, and I'm kind of trying to buy back on some of that mm-hmm. a little bit here by taking the points. I, I see it. Yeah, I see it. I see it. Now, Chip, coming to you. You like the under in this game. What are you seeing out of it? I don't think either of these offenses has a real advantage in terms of hitting explosive plays or being real dynamic. I mean, ultimately, as Tom mentioned, Oregon would like to run the ball um, and lean on its defense. That Hey, that's a great recipe for an under. You know, Utah, (laughs) great defense. That's the reason why you probably like Utah if you think that the Utes are going to be able to get this win. Uh, I just don't see on either offense enough truly dynamic, explosive, intimidating players to to think that this is going to be a shootout. So if if it is a shootout, it's because we've gotten at least 21 points of defensive or special teams touchdowns. And which, because I do think we do have some playmakers. Like there's a Kayvon Thibodeau scoop and score. That is 100% in the card somewhere. Uh, we could have a special teams return touchdown from Utah. Again, something I could see. But in just like an offense against defense, I don't see either offense having much of an advantage. So I'll take the under. There we go. There we go. All right, next game. And you know what? Tell you what. We're going to start a little uh, our fun for the week. We are going to give away a year-long subscription to Sportsline or – if you already have a year-long subscription to Sportsline and you do end up winning and you would like maybe an Early Edge t-shirt or some other piece of merch, maybe even a Cover 3 podcast piece of merch, I tell you what, I will take care of that and get you all set up. So what you have to do right now is we're going to break down Iowa State at Oklahoma. Okay, Oklahoma is a four-point favorite, a total of 60 and a half. So this one is going to come courtesy of our man, Micah Roberts. He has an official play on this game. So he is going to go last. What I need you to do right now in the chat is drop your Twitter handle and choose one of four options. All right. Twitter handle and Iowa State, Oklahoma State, over or under one of those four and your Twitter handle. Drop that in now and we will have Micah go last. All right, Tom, I'm going to come to you. You like Iowa State plus four in this one. Yep, Iowa State's back in the role it was born to play. Spoiler. Like this is this is a team where Matt Campbell is at his press conference, I think today or yesterday, talking about how the goal was never to win the Big 12, which great. I'm sure I'm sure it was one of the goals, but I, I just think that this is a team that came into the season with really high expectations, which I think Chip and I, we were very pretty vocal about all year long. Probably too high for expectations for this team coming off the year. And they've played to what they are, a very good team, but not an elite team. And I think now people have kind of written them off in a way. And they're facing an Oklahoma team that's coming off a loss, is still alive for the Big 12, is still alive for a playoff berth. And that's when Iowa State comes along and destroys their season and destroys the Big 12's playoff hopes almost, you know, leaving only (laughs) Oklahoma State as the actual contender out there. I just think that... Matt Campbell teams as underdogs are great. Oklahoma overall has just like I was disappointed last week. I thought coming off a bye, they would be much better prepared with a much better plan for what Baylor was going to do to them. And they just didn't have it. And I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's just the quarterback situation isn't great. Maybe there's just other things going there. Maybe the defense just isn't going to get fixed. I don't know. But when I watch this Oklahoma team, I've been waiting all year for them to flip the switch and maybe they flip it on Saturday, but I'm not going to bet on them to do it. So I'm going to take Iowa State in the points. It's funny how every week Oklahoma becomes our therapist couch. Like we just don't know, we just don't know what to do with them in terms of up down. I agree. Like your breakdown of that, Tom, was absolutely perfect and kind of symbolizes the entire Oklahoma season that we've had. Chip coming to you. You like the over in this game. Break it down. 
Oklahoma home overs doesn't just roll off the tongue. It's also been profitable in the Lincoln Riley era. Um, you know, it does roll off the tongue. Yeah. You know, there's, there are some obvious, uh, you know, pause that you might have just based on how inconsistent this team has been offensively. But again, let's zoom out. Let's look at the full sample size of the last you know, four ish years with Lincoln Riley. That's one side. So then I come in with the second example, which is that Iowa state the last two times it's gone on the road has gotten in kind of sideways shootouts. Now, uh, it was 41-38 against Texas Tech, and it was 38-31 against West Virginia. Those totals were 55.5 and, and 49, both easily clearing the over. But it is a team that, um, while defensively, if it establishes an edge, it can kind of squeeze the life out of you. I just don't think that it's going to ever have that advantage against Oklahoma. And so I see this game, uh, like those examples against Texas Tech and West Virginia, just getting a little sideways uh, where, sure, uh, the Iowa State offense is going to find ways to keep up, but ultimately we do end up going over the total. All right. Mike, it now. You know what? I'm going to get out of your way. You just announce what you have in this game, and then I'll choose a winner afterward. Boomer Sooner. Let's do it, man. I mean, this is a perfect spot for them. They were, they've been waiting to lose all year. Somebody please just lose so we can get on with our game plan that we want to do. So, <laughs> They got that out of the way. They're ready to roll. And I'm looking at the spread. This is what came out first. So when I did my first various variations for my numbers to what the spread is, I'm like, is this on a neutral field? Because I got Oklahoma five points better on a neutral field than Iowa State. And this is what we're looking at here. I mean, I can at least give them, let's say, let's at least give them four points, maybe five for home field advantage. So that's looking at double digits in my eyes on this game. And they're just more reliable. They lost. Okay, now, do you want to play in the championship? All right, we got to take care of this game, win this game. Undefeated season, that's out the door. Now we restrap up, we go, and we beat a team that just lost to Texas Tech. So I just think this is a spot that everybody gets better. I think the quarterback situation, I, I think he's already announced uh, that it's going to be uh, uh, Caleb Williams again. Um, so – yeah, I feel good about Oklahoma this week. I think the home crowd, everything's going to be a good good victory for them. There we go. There we go. And congratulations, speaking of victory, to Marty Turner at Marty Turner 1983. You have just won, courtesy of our man Micah Roberts here. I'll get with you after the show. Yep, and well done, well done on that. Okay, so next game here. We are going to break down Arkansas at Alabama. All right, Alabama's at home. A 20 and a half point favorite, a total of 57 and a half. No official plays, but some likes on this game. I'll tell you what, Mike, I'm going to come back to you. You like Alabama minus 20 and a half. Yeah, but I, I'd like, I don't love, I'm not playing it. I had to pick something here. The total was too hard for me, both sides over. And I got to make a case for everything. And I keep going back to the fact that Alabama, I mean, the, the LSU gets really six yards rushing. Six yards rushing from Alabama, and they were at home? I mean, that just doesn't make sense to me. So I, I'm a little skeptical there, but then I look at Arkansas, and not a lot of good wins, ups and downs, but they've won three in a row since a three-game losing streak. So um, I give them a little respect there, but I think uh, Bryce Young's got something to prove to the voters. Highest, so I think that is a variable that's attached Um Coach wants them to win, too. So I think they're going to have a good day passing, and I, I could see them winning by three touchdowns or more. Well, you know, you bring up a great point in sense of LSU. Who knows what in the world to ever do with them? It seems yeah. like they've gotten better since they announced that Ed Orgeron wasn't going to be coming back. All right, Tom, coming to you. You like the Crimson Tide here with the points as well. Yeah, it's this is a situation for me where, kind of like what Mike was bringing up, I just – if you look at what Arkansas has done this year, like they beat Texas A&M 20 to 10, but that was also Zach Calzada's first start. And, you know, it's that's a pretty complicated offense that Jimbo runs. It's one of the knocks on Jimbo that's always existed. And it, it's taken Calzada a long time to really get familiar with it. And in that first game, he played terribly. And Arkansas won 20 to 10. But then you saw him the next week against Georgia, which is the truly elite team that they played, and they lost 37 to nothing. And they never really had... Like as a 37 nothing score would suggest, there was never much hope for them in that game. And this is a team that's still going on. Like it, it played, it played Ole Miss close, lost by a point. It lost by 15 to Auburn. It beat Mississippi State by three. This is a team that just defensively 
it's not good, which makes me concerned when it's playing against elite opponents like this Alabama team. And we saw like Nick Saban was ticked off a couple weeks ago and he wanted like he was all over his team going into the New Mexico State game last week. And he was actually they played so well in that game that Nick Saban, of all coaches, actually complimented his team afterward, said that they played well. He didn't talk about all the mistakes and everything that they had to clean up. He said we played well. And when Nick Saban is happy with his team, that's scary. So I'm going to lay the points with Alabama. It is. It's frightening when he's actually happy with anything at all. So, yeah, I'm with you. Chip, well, coming to you. Well, that was yeah. three Alabamas, right? So that means I got to put a little scratch on it. So There we go. And I was going to say, yeah. Chip, you already know what to do. So um, when we saw <laughs> Arkansas – its defense got exposed in that three-game losing streak. We started the season, and there was the win against Texas and the win against Texas A&M, and Chip, me, don't refer to yourself like that. Um, <laughs> I was out here tell, telling all kinds of viewers and listeners, like, it's it's awesome what they're doing at Arkansas. They only rush three, and they can still get to the passer, and they drop eight, and it confuses everybody. Uh, look what they did to these Texas and Texas A&M quarterbacks. And then that Arkansas defense went up against Georgia and having that many bodies away from the line of scrimmage, it wasn't good for stopping Georgia's rushing attack. And then it went up against Ole Miss. And even though you had all these bodies and arms, like, you know, granted, you were right there. You went for two. It could have been a W, but that was still 52 points that Matt Corral and that Ole Miss offense were able to put up. I mean, shoot, even Bo Nix was able to come into your house and move the ball pretty well down the field. And so now we move a little bit further down the schedule and look, Bryce Young is going to have a field day. Like Bryce Young is going to throw for three or four touchdowns. And unless if our, if Will Anderson and the Alabama defense plays with a real edge, then I, I think that this is a game that Alabama cruises to last home game of the season. You know, it kind of, it, it'd be a good one for the boys to be able to run the score up. It'd be a good, Hey, it's Cruton season. This would be a great game to be able to let those freshmen score touchdowns. You know, we, we really want to let everybody know that everyone can get it here at this uh, NFL factory. Yeah, it's, it, it's definitely business time for Alabama and Nick Saban. I also want to highlight what Jody said in the chat. Quit leaving Chip on an island. Everyone should dance. You know what? You're exactly right. Look, you're exactly right. Like, we can't leave our teammate just hanging here on an island by himself. So the next one, I assure you, Jody, we will get better. We will adjust. All right. Next game here, and I'll tell you what, we're going to run uh, our contest back, all right? So you're going to choose what Tom is taking in this game. Everybody make sure, hit the like button, hit the subscribe button. You know what, honor system here, I trust all of you are going to do it. But what you have to do is select what our man, Tom Fernelli, is going to choose in this game. And I wanted this game specifically because you guys were spot on last week with it. So we've got Wake Forest at Clemson, all right? This line is active. Uh, the last that I saw was three and a half Clemson, the favorite at home. I've seen it jump four and a half, four back to three and a half to four. So depending on your book, it might be a little bit different, but we're just going to go with Clemson three and a half, a total of 56. So what I need you to do is choose is right in the chat right now, your Twitter handle and one of four options. All right. Twitter handle and Wake Forest Clemson over or under. That's all you got to do. And we'll have Tom go last on this one. All right. So Chip, I'm going to come to you. You like Wake Forest plus three and a half. Yeah, like it at three and a half, four, four and a half. If it gets under three, I would stay away. This is not an official play for me, but my hunch is basically doubting uh, Clemson's ability to put this thing away. I, I think that he, it feels like the kind of game where Clemson is able to get some stops early, able to get an advantage early but never quite able to stop uh, Sam Hartman in this Wake Forest offense from kicking in the back door, threatening, tying the game, you know, making it a one-possession game. The relentlessness that this Demon Deacons offense plays with is really impressive. I mean, think about the uh, loss to North Carolina and the narrow win against NC State had multiple uh, Sam Hartman interceptions, and yet they were still right there, you know, losing by three, winning by three. They find ways uh, to to just continue to pour on the points. And I don't know if I don't know if Clemson's offense is going to be able to run away and hide with the lead. So uh, I do like Wake plus the points. Again, if it gets under a field goal, then 
Uh, that's a, that's a real key point for me, but, uh, anything three, three and a half, four, four and a half. I, I do like taking wake here. Micah coming to you. You like wake as well. Yeah. I, I like them a little bit and, uh, curious to see what Clemson's going to do. They played better the last couple of weeks, but you know, I think the first kickoff, uh, Connecticut ran it back. I was like, Oh, here we go. Clemson, what's going on? But Clemson number three in the nation only allow 15 points per game. Number one in red zone defense. I did not know that, uh, impressive. And you look at their defense, it's solid. It's just the offense has just been horrid. And you know, the confidence level of the quarterback is down. Everybody's down. I mean, this is a team I was going over the ratings from the preseason. This particular game would have been hitting upwards to 40, 40 points almost on a total if we went from beginning of the season. So Clemson has dropped 21 points from their initial rating to now. And Wake Forest on the other end has uh, evolved up 13 points from where they were. So um, this is a – go into Clemson and win. Are you kidding me? Can they do that? This, is, this hasn't happened since 1998, I believe, Wake Forest going in there. 68-17-1, that is what Clemson is against Wake Forest, just dominating. So for that reason alone, I would love to see that. But I caution because of the Clemson defense playing so well, despite all the points scored by Wake Forest this year, they're still only 5-5 five and five against the spread. Uh, I think it'll be a close game, and I'd feel much better taking the points. So that's why I'm on Wake Forest uh, for the show, not in my own pocketbook. There we go. All right, Tom. They get right out of your way, buddy. What do you got? Wake Forest games tend to look the same. <laughs> Since the start of October, Wake Forest has played six games. This is the points they've allowed in those six games. 34, 37, 56, 7, 58, and 42. Duke was the team that was only responsible for seven points. Any other team with a pulse is putting up at least 35 points against this Wake Forest defense. It has fallen apart over the last few months, but it hasn't really mattered because offensively, as you guys were discussing, they still score a ton of points themselves. The lowest scoring game of any of those six games was that Duke game. It was 45-7 to final. It was a 52-point finish. Everything else has been in the 70s and 80s. The total for this game is 56. We're taking the over. (laughs) I know that Clemson's offense has been a problem all season long, but guess what? I think this Wake Forest defense is going to be the cure that, you know, that takes care of Clemson's offensive woes. They're going to be feeling great about themselves come Saturday night. I don't know who's going to win. I think Clemson probably wins because I think talent wise and defense wise, they're better. But again, it's the ACC. So who the hell knows? But I do know that there's going to be like 70 points scored in this game at a minimum. We're talking 38, 35 kind of final, which is way above where this total has it. Well, there we go. And we're also going to make a gif out of Chip hitting the phone, putting the bed in right there. That was fantastic. Yeah, that was the second time this show that I've been like, excuse me. I love that pick. Uh, you know what? I lo- Well, I'll say this. I love that. And also anybody else in the chat. I mean, you know what? We're not going to dox you here. Like if you have family members on a team and you've got a nugget for us, uh, we are not above making money off that. I assure you there. And we will not get you in trouble. No, but I mean, like, that's that's just like a, a really just sharp analysis. You know, like, well, Mike and I are sitting here and I'm putting myself in, in the headspace of, of neat, like rooting for Wake Forest to kick in that back door. Just take the over. Huh. If Wake Forest is even in a position to be within one score, the only way that game script plays out is that there's been a lot of points. I, I like Tom's point. You know, and using your analogy right there, you're right. The best way to enter a, you know, a hotel is the door being open for you? Take the over, right? I'm with you on it. All right, congratulations to Over Anxious Goat. You selected correctly. So, courtesy, <laughs> yeah, nice. Courtesy of our man Tom Fordelli, you have won a year-long subscription sports line. Or if you'd like a piece of early edge merch, uh, in case you already have a subscription, just let me know. I'll get with you after the show and get you all hooked up. Okay, so next game, uh, we have two left here that we're going to break down. All right, second to last. We've got Baylor at Kansas State. Baylor, a one-point favorite. Total of 50. Mike, I'm coming to you. You like Kansas State plus one at home. Yeah, I like them. I don't, didn't bet them. But it's one of those spots, like Baylor instantly. I mean, how do they get up for this game after last week? Are they thinking we're 
going to the national title. What, what is the motivation here for them after the huge win last week? Kansas State, Chris Kleiman, he's done an amazing job this this season. And uh, Skylar Thompson, four straight wins, managing the game well. It looks like the same script every time out for Kansas State. And then they end up winning the game. And so it looks cheap for Baylor here. And they played extremely well last week to get the win. But they're not going to have the fans there. And what's the weather like there? Uh, we've got uh, 61 degrees, 7 mile an hour. It's not bad. So... Um, I'm going to just go ahead and go with the Kansas State model that has been successful at home, especially. Nice. Chip, coming to you. You like Kansas State plus one as well. Yeah, danger zone time window. It's where dreams go to die. You play at 2.30 Eastern. You play at 5.30 Eastern. If you play any time that's off our normal syncopation, then you are destined for one of those panic moments. I mean, the original panic moment is Michigan and App State on Big Ten Network, having everyone scramble to order the Big Ten Network. Genius. But I, <laughs> this is just like, you're going to be looking around. And you're like, Wait a second. I, guys, I, I think number 11 Baylor is going to lose. Now, anybody who's been betting this game or analyzing this game would know, hey, that's always been a threat. Kansas State is a one-point favorite. Of course, Baylor's going to lose. But all the normies out here that think they're too good for the betting lines, this is the ripe spot for the Bears to go down. Uh, Kansas State has already far exceeded the expectations of where we thought the Wildcats would be in the preseason. It's a very good football team. They've been able to sustain a midseason slump and injuries, and I, I just like where they're at right now. Playing at home, I do wish even though um, Baylor's really like run head, or I guess I think that Baylor is better running the ball than they are throwing the ball. I do wish that we had the little apple with like 15 to 17 mile an hour crosswinds for just the full Kansas state effect. But, uh, but I'll take anything I can get for a wildcats win. The real Manhattan. I love it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Big Tom, you like the under here. Yeah, it's it's not something I love, but I think as long as it's over 49, I think it's probably the better play in this game than anything. I just these are two teams. And I, I agree like this is if Kansas State wins this game, it shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody because Kansas State, while it's not contending for a Big 12 title, the last month of the season has been one of the best teams in the Big 12. It's just nobody's mm -hmm. paying attention to it because you wrote it off after a slow start to the year. But I, I look at these two teams, they're both solid defensively, and offensively, they both like to run the ball. And I think that when you combine two solid defenses and two teams that like to run the ball a lot, that usually leads to lower scoring affairs. So like a Baylor runs the ball the 11th most often of any team in the country at 60.7%. Kansas State runs the ball 56.3% of the time. The national average is 51.4%. So it gives you an idea of where these two teams like to go on the offensive side of the ball and what their plan of attack is. So again, good defenses, running the ball, clock never stopping. A close game in which I think to both teams could be a bit more conservative because you know both teams will have a chance to win. I just I think under is going to happen more often than anything else. So that's where I'm going. You know, I got to give Kansas State some credit from a betting perspective. The beginning of the season and the end of the season, they've been really fun. You know, I go back to that game in Jerry's world, right, where the offense, you know, where they were healthy. And they, I mean, that was, that was a fun game. Like it was it was they were a blast to bet on. So I'm with you. I like them ending the season the way that they started it. All right. Our final game. And folks, two things here. First, this has never happened in the what is this? The 12th week that we've done this show. It has never happened where we've had all three guys have an official play on the same, you know, big game of the week, right? So it's the first time we've done it. Two, we're going to give away a year-long subscription to Sportsline or a piece of early edge merch courtesy of our man Chip Patterson. What you have to do is choose correctly what you think he is on. And like I said, all three of these picks are official plays from the guys. So the game is this. Michigan State at Ohio State, spread of 19 and a half, a total of 66 and a half. So in the chat, what you have to do right now, put your Twitter handle and one of four options, what you think Chip is going with in this game. So Twitter handle and Michigan State, Ohio State, over or under. So all you got to do, go ahead, drop those in the chat now. Make sure to hit like and subscribe, and we will have Chip go last. So again, these are all official plays from the guys here. Tell you what, Tom, I'll come right back to you. You like Michigan State 
plus 19 and a half. Yeah, as I talked about at the very top of the show, rivalry week is looming. And for Ohio State, this has been a trap spot for them continuously. Coming over the last seven years now, or eight years technically, because Michigan and Ohio State did not play last year. But in the last seven years, the game before Ohio State's the game against Michigan, they have failed to cover. They failed to cover against Penn State in 2019, Maryland in 2018. You remember that? It was like a 52-51 game where Ohio State got a two-point conversion at the end to win, and Urban Meyer looked like he was going to die of a heart attack on the sideline. They didn't cover against Illinois in 2017. They didn't cover against Michigan State in either 2016 or 2015. And then in 2014, it was in, in 13, it was Indiana. This is a team that every single season, they won six of those games. They just didn't cover in any of them because they're kind of keeping some stuff in the holster for the next game. And they're also spending more time preparing for Michigan because that game is huge. Now, maybe that's different this year because Michigan state's ranked in the top 10. This is a must win game. This is a tough opponent. If you want to win the division and then win the big 10 and then get to the playoff, but Michigan state's also a very good team. And I think that they can hang within 19 and a half. And honestly, I think the spread's a little disrespectful. Because I do think that Michigan State is a flawed team on both sides of the ball. It is far from perfect. But at some point, your results are a little more, you know, indicative of who you are than the numbers. And this is a Michigan State team that has been very good and competitive in every single game it has played this season. And I don't see that being all that different this weekend against an Ohio State team that, frankly, until last week against Purdue wasn't blowing anybody away. And I'm not going to take one game last week and assume that Ohio State's just completely flipped the switch and gone into dominant mode, which it's capable of doing. But I'm not going to assume that's the case when they've shown us much larger sample size of, eh, they'll mess around and let teams stick in the game. Yeah, You know, I, I'm with you. I, I was I was surprised that the number was that high. I, I completely agree with you. And especially the, the way that they caught Purdue coming off that big win as well. I'm with you. And there's nothing negative against Ohio State. It's just we have a larger sample size of probably who they really are. I agree with you on that. All right, Micah, coming to you. This is an official play for you as well. You like the over 66 and a half. Yeah. Uh, first, let me talk about the number, though, as yep. uh, Tom was talking about, because uh, by differential, I have 11 points on a neutral field. Let's give Ohio State they're the better team. Uh, we'll give them five points. So, max 16 right there and then now you have the books you know this is a high profile game last week the books have to put a well like they do with the nfl you put a a, a tax uh, because you know where people are going to bet they're going to bet against the redskins they're going to bet against the lions all that type of stuff so you have to put like a luxury tax on an elite team so there is a four to a three and a half point luxury tax added on to Ohio State because that's what most people are going to bet. But, uh, and I do like the points. And if I had to bet the side, I would take the points as well. But the over is where I come in. And it, it's not uh, past history, forget about it, because the last four meetings have stayed under at Ohio Stadium between these two. Five of the last six meetings have stayed under between these two. But none of those meetings had the worst pass secondary in college football they're not just bad 329 yards allowed per game by michigan state it is dead last that means duke is better that means monroe is better that means kent state is better all these teams i, I just can't believe that this team is ranked so high and doing so well despite that and not only that covering games they've only not covered once this season um, seven, one, and two against the spread. That is pretty darn good here. But the overs, uh, I think these two are going to play out. You got the Walker going for Heisman. He's like second choice now. People are believing if he has a good game, even if they lose and he plays well, that's going to be positive. So I think it's going to go back and forth. And I think um, Stroud's going to have a, a, another big game here and maybe not quite as astounding as last week was against Purdue do but this is the last game for all the nflers that are going next year last game at ohio stadium last game for the seniors um and i mentioned the nflers because you're going to have a lot of the guys that uh, still have a year of eligibility left so it's a big game for them obviously and championship everything's at stake here they have to win this game and um i think it's gonna be a high scoring game very very entertaining weather shouldn't be a problem that's an excellent point. And you're talking about, you know, that luxury tax, so to say, with the books when, you know, they know that a team that the public just bets 
that favorite. Regardless, yeah. yeah, it made me think of, you know, the gif of like where the guy's head is exploding because in the NFL week this week, we have the Cowboys and the Chiefs, which are like the two that just publics just love, yeah. you know, to bet all over. So Yeah, but the I'll Chiefs be- are the uh, ones not covering regularly. The Cowboys have only not covered once. So the Cowboys are justified to have inflation added to their already uh, static uh, rating. Yeah. See, that's why I love you, man. Like we just kindly, just kindly bring up an NFL game and you got a breakdown ready to go <laughs> on that one as well. All right. So we have reached that point in the show. Chip, we got some guesses here in the chat. I'm going to get out of your way. What do you got? This line is disrespectful. <laughs> this line is disrespectful to Mel Tucker, to his wife, Joe Ellen, to their two wow. sons, Joseph and Christian. It's disrespectful to all 25 plus years of coaching experience. It's disrespectful to the 10 year, $95 million contract that Michigan state is trying to put together for Mel Tucker right now. Mm. 19 points. Mm, sure. You're gonna be able Saturday. To, <laughs> you're, listen, you, you better hope that Ohio state can replicate what it did against Purdue. Because I think Purdue laying an egg after a big upset is a little bit of a reputation that carries throughout the years. They do this upset thing a lot. They also lay that egg. Disrespectful line. You take the Spartans and you take the points. And by the way, yeah, that is a Gary Parish Ion College Basketball Podcast bit. I have to shout him out and tell everybody to listen to the Ion College Basketball Podcast because uh, that makes me laugh every single time. And when Tom said disrespectful, I was like, you know what? It is disrespectful to Mel Tucker, <laughs> to Joe Ellen, to their two sons, Joseph and Christian. I well, I, I love that. I didn't know it came from Gary Parish. I thought you were just friends with the family. I was like, look, we got to trust this guy. Like, no, 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 no. Listen, I saw Chip looking something up on his computer while Michael was talking, and I was like, what's he looking up? And then the, <laughs> I realized what it was. Yeah. I, it's a- I, mean, I was, I was going to say, like, I, I don't hate the the over. I mean, like, I'm obviously agreeing with Tom on taking the spar- on Sparty. Uh, but, I mean, if if Michigan State's going to cover, then it's probably because they're scoring points. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's a good point. It's a good point. I also love that anytime when you are on a show live, when you see your buddy furiously typing on the computer, like looking something up, you're like, the hell is he up to? Like, what is he about to come with? <laughs> I love it. Congratulations to Andrew Robertson at Duck Sports Stat. Chose correctly with Michigan State. I will get with you after the show and get you all set up. So, <clears throat> as the coach would always say, get out your paper, get out your pencil. Let's pull up the recap of the show. And, of course, it does look glorious. Chip Patterson is on Texas plus 2.5, Michigan State plus 19.5, Illinois, Iowa under 38.5. Love that. Virginia plus 14.5. UCLA minus three. Tom Fernelli, Virginia Tech, Miami under 55 and a half. Michigan State plus 19 and a half as well. Tulsa minus 21 and a half. And North Texas minus 10. Our man Michael Roberts is on Wisconsin minus eight and a half. Rutgers, Penn State under 47. Oregon, Utah over 59. Michigan State, Ohio State over 66 and a half. <clears throat> Excuse me. And Oklahoma minus four. So I'll leave that up. Well, actually, you know what? You can pause it. You can hit it. You can grab it. So what I always want to do again, and I mean this, honestly, you guys take so much time out of your busy weeks to come on and jump on with us. It is greatly, greatly appreciated. I want to make sure to give you time to plug what you guys are working on and what everyone needs to go check out, download, read, you name it. Micah, start with you, buddy. Uh, you're always covering every sport here at Sportsline. What are you working on this week? Uh, well, I'll be doing some uh, uh, money moves for college football tomorrow. And uh, Friday, I'll be doing the money moves for NFL, how that works. And then uh, just going to watch some games, college basketball, trying to get adjusted on the ratings there. That is fast and furious moving, too hard to keep up with. Uh, but I'm, I'm getting there closely. And the NBA started to even out uh, some of the top teams uh, showing themselves who they are playing with consistency. And like I say, always with NBA, just ride the streaks, be sure who's playing and back to backs, but ride the streaks with these guys and ride the streaks with the bad teams. And you're going to do okay. Bet in the NBA. Everybody make sure to go check out Micah's work. Uh, it's coming all throughout the week. Tom, come to you, buddy. What do you got? 
Uh, obviously, check me out on the Cover 3 podcast with Chip. Our live box pod is t- Thursday morning at 11 Eastern. Also, just follow me on Twitter at Tom Fernelli. You could keep track of everything I'm up to. I have my NFL picks column coming out tomorrow, as well as my college picks column. And on Friday, with soccer returning from its international break, I will have my corner picks column with my favorite soccer plays from the week. And you can read just the rest of my general dumbass thoughts there, too. <laughs> Sign me up for that one. Chip, what do you got, buddy? If you go on Google and you put in Tom Fernelli author, it will bring up a cbssports.com author page for Tom Fernelli where you can access his NFL picks, his corner picks, and all of his college football content. I do. You should, too. Yeah, listen to us on Cover 3, youtube.com slash Cover 3, live 11 a.m. on Thursday and also on Saturday night. That was a tremendous plug. Well done. Everybody, seriously, make sure. Check out uh, what all three of the guys are doing. Uh, Really, I I couldn't thank you guys enough. I know how busy you guys are, and you take the time. Take an hour and more every single week to come on with us. So it is very much appreciated. Everybody, thank you so much for tuning in. As Coach always says, let's take these straight to the pay window. So for Chip, for Tom, for Micah, for the entire Early Edge crew, you know what? We'll see you tomorrow morning. Everybody, good luck. Good luck.